Welcome to the Uncommon History Podcast, your go-to source for fascinating stories from the past. On our podcast, we explore more obscure and often overlooked corners of history. From lesser-known tales to weird facts about history, our mission is to share the stories that will leave you surprised and entertained. Join us as we discover a world of history you didn't know existed. Hello and welcome to Uncommon History, the podcast that explores the fascinating lesser-known stories of the past. I'm Brian. And I'm Harold. Harold, we are, I guess, uh, episode three now in season four. How's the build going? We haven't talked about your build, your, your car build. Well, uh, this 1924 Laverne is going pretty well. Uh, we are at the point now to possibly... Uh, Start wiring next week and hopefully road test, which is going to be a big day. Big That's day. always the funnest day for me yes. when we get to and go road get to test. hear it run for a, the first time for a long time. And so we'll maybe do some road tests and we'll see where we are. What's the top speed expected on this one? Well, Brian, now this one's kind of scary because we have a, a 42-inch tall tires. Yeah and a 160 horsepower, and you combination of that and a, a little more modern transmission, I think it'll go a lot faster than I'm willing to go on it. So we're, we're y'all, I'd say go over 100 miles an hour, but I'm not going to be near that on wood wheels. We're no. both going to need helmets. We're going to need helmets, yeah. <clears throat> All right, and sounds good. Two seat belts, yeah. All right. So um, tonight we have with us uh, Kevin Oddy with Bluegrass Production, who is a producer and investigator with Haunted Discoveries. And this is the show that Harold's been kind of participating with. They're focusing on Kentucky. And uh, so welcome to the show, uh, Kevin. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Glad to be here. We got a little bit of a delay, but we'll do our best. Uh, we just, uh, first of all, thank you so much for uh, being on here with us. Uh, I know I've really enjoyed my time and getting to meet you all and getting to work with you. Um, tell us a little bit about your social media uh pages or yeah where can people find you on social yeah. media or find out more about the show if people want to know more about haunted discoveries uh how can they find out about it yeah for sure it's not out yet but we do have a uh, social media um you can find us on instagram at haunted discoveries tv or on facebook at haunted discoveries okay um for for those of us uh that that are always fascinated you know TV is magic, and when you see things on there, uh, most of us have no idea of what it takes to put together a, a program like that. Um, can you just give us a little insight from your, from where you are of what goes into when you when we see a, a show like that and, and there's you know a 15-minute episode at a, a haunted house somewhere or a haunted site, what all goes into that to make that uh, come to what we see on TV? I think every uh, production company kind of does things a little bit different. Um, with ours, ours will be roughly 42-minute episodes. Um, with all the TV fakery and stuff like that that you can do, I can honestly say there is none of that at all in our show. Um, it's 100% history and factual-based. Um, we back up you know, all the information we put out. We back up with documentation and that type of stuff. Because I think you know, once you... Uh, once you get caught faking one thing, your credibility is ruined. And uh, we have way too much invested. Um, you know, myself, Brandon and Mustafa, we've been doing this for 
you know, over 15, 16 years each. And so that's a lot of, uh, a lot of time built up to ruin it over, over something for right. a couple of views. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let me know, why did you all pick Kentucky? How did you end up in Kentucky? Are you from Kentucky or do you have ties? You know, how did you end up doing your investigation and doing the show here? Well, the company I work for is based out of Kentucky. And, um, and that's where I currently live at. And, um, you know, after moving here, um, I knew Brandon was looking for a place to move APRA to, which is the American Paranormal Research Association, a group that he had founded. <clears throat> and uh, he was looking for a place to move that to kind of have a paranormal research facility. And then um, I was telling him about Kentucky and all the stuff that's here. And he actually ended up moving here last year. And uh, things just kind of kicked off. We found some great locations. We learned a lot about the Kentucky history and one thing kind of uh, led to another. And it seems like with all the locations we've done in one way or another, they all seem to be connected somehow. Well, let me ask you, does like the, the geology or is there anything special about Kentucky? You know, I know we have a lot of cave systems. Is there anything like that, that, that plays into this? Yeah. I mean, between like the mammoth cave system, um, which covers a huge majority of Kentucky and then over Pulaski County, which is Southern Kentucky and also into Northern Tennessee, they have what NASA deemed as the Kentucky anomaly, which is a, um, a like a heavier geomagnetic pull where apparently the Van Allen belts dip down and almost touch because of the uh, gravitational pull. So I think between that, the cave systems, um, there's just a lot going on in Kentucky. So do you, do you all come up with uh, <clears throat> a location first? Um, how do you like, like if it was if if I was going to sit down and plan a show, how do you, do you look at a location and then find out there's paranormal activity there, or how do you go about choosing where you go? Is I guess my question. Yeah, well, <clears throat> so we'll start out and do like a lot of research on different locations, and um, you know, start starting out, we try to do places that were a little bit less known uh, mm-hmm. locations that haven't really been seen on TV and that kind of stuff. Um, the biggest thing that we look for in a location is the history and stories that go along with the location. You know, most of the time you have the history, you have the stories, the paranormal um, is going to be shortly behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Seems like that all kind of comes along with it, but there's a lot of history, you know, in Kentucky between, you know, the civil war history, the um, coal mining days and that type of history. We've also learned there's a lot of, uh, Native American history in Kentucky as well that I wasn't aware of going into this. Oh yes, yes. Uh, are you personally interested in history yourself? Have you been uh, have you been interested in that all your life, or did that come later as a vocation? No, I've, I've always I've always liked history. Um, I think it's you know fascinating to see you know, especially when you're in paranormal, you kind of have to have a good concept of history to know and understand more about the locations. Uh, that you're investigating in the areas and that type of stuff. Uh huh. Well, when when I do ghost tours, and uh, we do this for uh, the the Paraville, uh, city of Paraville there, the uh, uh, excuse me, the uh, Main Street. Paraville. Yeah, Main Street. I'm sorry, I, went, I had a brain blank there. Uh, <laughs> when we do those ghost tours, um, it's you know we have tremendous amount of people that turn out for it. It really surprised me when, I, when we started it. I had no idea the reaction to it, but. Without the history, um, 
there's not anything to say <laughs> about the paranormal activity that you, you that has been witnessed there because we don't have a basis for it. We have no way of there's connecting no background it to anything. To it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think I've, grew, I've grown up around that stuff all my life, and I'm sure most a lot of other people have too. And there's a lot of things that I take for granted that other people maybe haven't experienced because they haven't lived in a, quote, historic area or had a major event happen right in their back door. But um, when you when you all are, are doing the show, you go out on scene, out on site, like I've been with you, and we, we shot the, the like scene. Like at the there, Bottoms House. Right at the Bottoms House and, and downtown mm-hmm. the Carrick Parks House there in Perryville. And then you take that film back, and then you go through it, and you edit it, and you chop it down to a manageable size and and cut out the bad parts or whatever. Uh, and then is it ready for airing at that point? Um, after it's edited and everything, it'll go through a sound mix. And basically what a sound mix is, is um, it's kind of just making sure all the dialogue's even uh, throughout the show, stuff like that. Make sure, you know, when you cut scenes together, that the sound between those uh, flows smoothly and that type stuff. We don't input like any voices and stuff like that. We don't do any of that stuff. <clears throat> and then it also goes through um, color correction, which uh, kind of makes all the picture look um close to the same for the type of look we're we're going for with the show yeah well i, I got one request though on that, on that one if it's not too late can you can you have me look a little more like george clooney instead of jackie gleason is that is that doable i'll, I'll see what we can do okay well, it, may, it may how, take a miracle but i i, I thought i'd ask you know how did you all find harold you know he's been pretty active in in you know the imperable and then probably over at the uh in uh, Madison County, too, at Whitehall. So I think he's going to help with that. How did you all find Harold? Yeah, I'm honestly not really sure how that happened. I know uh, when we were filming at Carrick Parks that I was inside and I walked out, and uh, I believe it was Mustafa was talking to Harold, and then um, everything just kind of hit off from there. Well, Allie but had I, called me, uh, the director of Main Street, probably Allie had called me and said, would you come down and talk to these folks? And I was in Lexington at the time, and I was like, okay, uh, when do you need me to be there? And it was like an hour. I said, well, okay, I'll do my best. So uh, that's, I think that's how it happened. Well, Kevin, you know, what is your, what is your belief in dealing with, you know, with ghosts or the paranormal, supernatural? What, what's your belief? I believe that unexplained phenomenon does exist. I think there has been way too many um, credible stories from people that, you know, may be at a location that have no idea any of the claims associated with that location. Um, <clears throat> for instance, say you have somebody go to a house and, you know, describe seeing, say, a woman dressed a certain way on a staircase or something like that. <clears throat> and then somebody else a year later comes and describes the exact same thing in the exact same place without knowing the story. It's like, okay, what did they see? You know, they had to see something to describe the exact same thing. And especially if what they describe matches, you know, something that happened at that location. I think there's a, there's a lot out there that, um, you know, is still unexplained, but uh, I definitely think there, there is based on my experiences that stuff exists. Where do you believe it comes from or what do you believe it is? You know, I think, I don't think it's like really what is it. I think there are many different things that could be. Um, some could be leftover energy. Some could be residual energies. 
like residual hauntings where it's just kind of, um, you know, a time loop in a way. Um, I think some are intelligent. Uh, I've never, in all my years of investigating, I've never come across anything that I would consider demonic. Um, you do have malicious entities, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, they're demonic or anything like that. What um, What is the weirdest or the creepiest thing you've ever witnessed? Oh, goodness. Uh, one of them, I would have to say, when we was at a place called the Warner Grand Theater in San Pedro, California, and I was sitting at the top of these steps looking down onto a platform, and I watched someone walk up on the platform to that mirror, and I thought it was one of the guys with us looking into the mirror, and I was like, and, you know, I just kind of thought to myself, he doesn't even see me up here. He's probably, you know, making sure his hair looks good or something. And I yelled down there. It's like, hey, what are you doing? And it turned around and took like two steps and disappeared. Wow. And so I, it took me a minute to realize what had happened. And I got up and walked down there and no one was down on that floor at all. Everybody was actually up on the upper floor in the projection booth whenever that happened. Have you ever been in a building or a location and just felt? unsafe you know that man there's something really dark here i don't need to be here i felt uneasy um one place that i've been where the energy was just really thick where you know i walked in this room earlier in the day and it was fine you could walk in and then went back that night and it was just like there was a like a wall of thick heavy energy right there and that was at a yuma territorial prison in arizona in the uh, isolation cell and then at what, what age did you become curious about uh, investigating the paranormal? Oh, goodness, age-wise. I would have been in my 20s. Um, so I got into it whenever I um, – well, I, grew, I was born and raised in Missouri and always grew up hearing ghost stories, driving around, telling ghost stories on gravel roads, stuff like that. And um, – I worked for a, I was a deputy sheriff for a sheriff's department there in Missouri and started doing some side work for a private investigator. And him and his wife had a team uh, based out of Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And we started talking and then, you know, they invited me on an investigation with them and we went and spent a weekend in this house and caught our first EVP. And I was kind of hooked after that. Okay. And I'm going to, Harold, I'm going to eat up a lot of this, but I'll let, I promise I'll let you jump in a minute. What, uh, you know, you mentioned fraud and stuff in a lot of the TV shows and stuff. What's some of the common things people do to, you know, fraudulently um, portray, a, you know, a house or a location or that they're actually picking up, you know, some kind of activity? Yeah. So one thing, a lot of the equipment that is used in a lot of these shows is very, very easily manipulated. Um, you know, you can make things go off by being close to it and keying a walkie-talkie, and that could make it look like you're getting responses to a question. Um, you know, they can tie a fishing string onto a door and pour, pull a door shut or, you know, move a chair or something like that, you know, off screen. <clears throat> uh, things like that that um, have been done before. But um, yeah, like I said, I can honestly say that there is zero of that in our series, and anybody that gets caught doing something like that would be gone. Wow. Well, when the 
when we do, do the ghost tours, I talk about a couple different types of, of entities that, that I've heard about. And one is a residual haunting and one is an intelligent haunting. Now, um, I had a friend who was doing some restoration in an, in an old uh, house, uh, early 1800s house. And he was, they were in the back of the house and it was late and, uh, there was no one in the house but them and it, and the lights weren't even on in the front of the house or anything. And he said, he looked up and he saw a light and the first thing he thought was, you know, there's somebody here that shouldn't be here. And then all of a sudden he, him and a couple other guys that were in the back looked and this lady dressed in that period time dress came through a door and walked straight towards them and turned and went through what used to be a door, which wasn't a door anymore. And, it absolutely uh, scared the life out of him, um, and he said his yeah, I, his father was a was a Baptist preacher, and he said I got out of there and said we would not go back in the house, and he said we I went straight to my dad's and said and said I just want to know what's going on here. <laughs> so I think personally, you know, I don't know how a spirit can manifest itself in physical things like a lantern, a gun, or something. You know, a soldier carrying a gun and a knapsack and all those things. So I often thought, and I get a little thought to it, and of course this is all just total speculation, but residual things may be time, you know, that we may not be aware of a, a time warp. And we're seeing the same thing over and over because of, of some dimension of time that we, we don't fit, you know, we just don't understand at this point or know anything about. That's kind of some of the things that I've heard around Perryville tend to be residual. They, they happen over and over because different people have seen the same thing and heard the same thing. Um, have you ever experienced anything like that that you thought was just uh, like a, playing a recorder over and over and only seen it rare times? Yeah, I know of a few cases like that. And you know, kind of going on what you said about, um, you know, walking through what used to be a door. I have heard a story like that before where, um, a person claimed to see an entity walk through a bookcase, which used to be a stairwell. And so I think that um, when they're existing in this world, they're still seeing things as it was in their time. And that's why they would walk through, you know, a bookcase or come out of a closet where a stairwell used to end or something like that. And, and Kevin, so I do see it in, <clears throat> in their time. Uh, and Kevin, I'm a retired deputy sheriff, so... Um, so there's been times throughout my career that, you know, I've received calls of a group, uh, ghost hunting is what they turned out to be, but suspicious activity in an old house, abandoned house or cemetery. And especially Mm -hmm. if they were in a house, I always found, you know, it was easier to scare them into coming out than me having to go in and search for everybody. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I could say there's some times that, uh, there for a minute, I think some people that, uh, you know, they were, they were, they had the little, the little box and I can't know what it's called, but the, the EV box or what's the. Like a spirit box type thing. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So, uh, you know what, it was much safer for me to just to scare them out of the house than me trying to go in the house and them hide and, you know, and things. So, <laughs> but, uh, like I say, I, I do have a little experience with that. So, so Kevin, you got, uh, we've got some shows coming up. You're going to do, uh, uh, we, we talked about doing Whitehall and what's that? May, I think you said we'd be there May. Is that correct? I'm still waiting on uh, confirmation on that. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, we'll we'll hopefully get confirmation on that. But uh, what other uh, places have you all got scheduled uh, to? You all have been in Perryville. Where else have you been in Kentucky so far? 
So, so far in Kentucky, we've been like a Perryville area. We've been Bardstown. We've been Somerset, um, Park City, uh, Franklin, um, down by Bowling Green. You were down at the Octagon House at Franklin, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a neat, neat place. So tell yeah, me. Yeah, that's an interesting place. There's a, there's a lot going on down there. I'd like to spend a little bit more time down there if I could. And then tell me a little more about the anomaly there in Somerset or, you know, the Kentucky-Tennessee line. What, what kind of things do people witness with the Van Allen belt and all that? What, what does it cause? I mean, with the uh, – my belief kind of is with, like, um, the electromagnetic stuff and all that kind of stuff down there that's a little bit higher that over a period of time um, it could possibly affect you. Um, it could also be feeding into the area, giving it a constant energy for things to uh, feed off of, to be able to manifest and that kind of stuff. But um, I think as a person, it could also affect you um, after a while too, and make you, you know, kind of believe you start seeing things and um, that kind of stuff as well. Is, uh... I feel like I say that kind of stuff way too much. Does <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, is your, uh, guys had experience with other shows that are on TV now or you or any other guys been involved with any other productions? Well, Brandon and Mustafa were both on the A&E version of ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Malia, this is Malia's, uh, the show is Malia's first time investigating. She's actually, um, our historical researcher and we're, um, we're getting her broken in pretty good. She's having a good time. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 a great thing you all do. It's it's a lot of fun to be a part of it as well, and uh, we uh, I've I've enjoyed it. I, of course, I hadn't done uh, any type of ghost story. I'd done other things, document history, documentaries, but I've never mm-hmm. done anything ghost related other than the tours that we do down at Parable. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot more. You know, I, I thought there was a lot more to it. It surprised me how many people you all had. I mean, these productions are not could not be cheap because of, of all the expertise that you all have to to use to uh, do this. You've got sound people, light people. All, can you give us a little insight into that? What's, what's involved there? Yeah, we have a pretty good team with us. Um, we have a, you know, a sound, sound team. We have um, a camera team. We have one person that does our grip and lighting. And then, of course, we have our um, line producer and production manager that uh, come along with us as well. And so we stay, um, you know, we're traveling together and, you know, I've known the whole crew for quite some time. They're a great bunch to work with. And every time we get together, it's kind of like reuniting the family. <laughs> so when, when do you all expect the um, Haunted Discoveries to air? What network? Or have you all sold it to a network yet? Or, you know, what, where are you all at in that process as well? I should have an answer on that pretty soon. Um, just, uh, you know, stay tuned to our social media and we'll be posting as soon as we can about, um, you know, when and where it's going to be coming out and that type of stuff. Well, this but, um, is, this is, this has really been insightful. Uh, I think most of our, yep. our podcast listeners uh, have no idea what goes on. Uh, you know, it's most investigating. Us- it's an interesting thing to do. Um, you know, like uh, Brandon said before, you know, you talk to people and say, Hey, do you want to hear a good history story? And they're like, eh, Hey, you want to hear a good ghost story? Yeah. Yeah. I'll hear a ghost story. So, you know, when you incorporate the paranormal, it's a good way to get people that's not usually interested in history, interested in history. Right. 
Yeah, we, we, we could do a history tours and wouldn't have as near as many people as when we do a history ghost tour. <laughs> we, yeah. Seen once a, you, yeah. And once you start, you know, doing it and investigating and you uh, actually have an experience, it's real easy. You're like, okay, what was that? Let's see if we can recreate that. And, you know, when we go into investigations, you know, because I have a law enforcement background, I've tried to put together, you know, any evidence we collect. I try to put it together, like looking at it through the eyes of like a defense attorney and I'm preparing a court case. So you work at like a criminal investigation, the whole investigation, like when you're at a house, let's say, and that's it. Yeah, because like if I... If I catch a piece of evidence, I, I'd be like, you know, okay, what would a defense attorney say? Okay, they say, well, that could have been somebody casting their own shadow. Yeah, it could be that. This is why it's not that. You know, and I try to really look into things and validate, you know, if what we call it is authentic. Right. Well. And in season two, we also had um, the privilege of having Dr. Harry Clore with us. He's our uh, team scientist. He is the only person to ever get two PhDs simultaneously in any discipline. And so he really helps us with our experiments and looking into things to see if it, if there's a logical explanation or if it's something that's unexplained. Could you give us an example of an experiment that you all do or recently done to prove or to validate your evidence? Yeah, so if we get if we're like walking through a house and like the meter goes off, a lot of people will say, "Oh my gosh, we're we're talking to a spirit. We're talking to a spirit." But first, we'll go in and see if we can find a logical explanation of why the meter went off. Another thing we look into um, that is associated with paranormal activity a lot of times is environmental changes. So we do a lot of data logging with um, like barometric pressure changes, changes dramatic changes in temperature, and stuff like that. Well, one of the cameras that we use is a uh, EMC CD camera. It's an electronic multiplying charge couple device camera, which is a scientific-based camera. It's not made for the paranormal. And it can actually record uh, photon events. And we believe that photon events are associated with paranormal activity. We've actually um, had temperature and pressure changes and documented photon events at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's one thing that we're really looking into and trying to investigate or the correlation between all that stuff. Well, it, it, it sounds like you ought to go to great pains to be truthful, you know, or to, to present it as, you know, a lot of people, if they, you know, let's face it, Kevin, there'd be a lot of companies that if they got a little bleep or a sound or something, they jump all over it and, magnified into something, you know, and try to make something up. But you all really do your homework and, and really uh, integrity is important to you, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you want to find a factual answer for something, you have to be truthful. I mean, you can't make up stuff and then get an answer and think that it's, you know, what you want to know. It's like in my study in history and all my life, and I've, I've just done it because I've loved it and never really, you know, I didn't study history to do podcasts or give talks or anything. I just did it because I liked it, you know, and I, I can't explain why I was born that way. But I think I've often described uh, historians as searchers of the truth. I think a lot of times we, we, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll have a preconceived notion of how something happened, a story in history, uh, you know, pick an era, it doesn't matter. But then when I actually get a firsthand account or a book, 
written by someone that was there and they explain how the event went down and it always it always has a more practical answer to it you know than some mystical answer and and I sit back and I'm like well that was simple you know that was logical uh yeah and it's always different than I perceive it always and that's what makes it fun to me uh every story I've ever researched every character in history uh be it Daniel Boone or Jesse James or whoever they're always a little different than I have them perceived in my mind. And, you know, why, mm-hmm. how those perceptions got there, who, know, who knows? Maybe uh, TV today uh, affects the way we look at history. I'm, I'm sure it has a great effect. Yeah. And if we don't I dig mean, a little deeper than just commercial television, then we uh, we might miss out on the real person and the real character. Yeah, it's a bad thing is, you know, Hollywood makes – you know, all the fictional movies that people will watch and believe that they're true. Um, when a lot of times, you know, even if they put out false information, the truth is usually a more interesting story. Well, I mean, they're in the business to make money, you know, and, and, and they have, right. to, you know, they, they got to send something out that people will, will watch and hopefully they'll make money and maybe win an Oscar or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. Cause I worked in Hollywood, but they do, they are responsible for a lot of misconceptions when it comes to, uh, history, paranormal, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Kevin, what's like the most famous location or story that you all have investigated? You know, something like something the common person would know, like the Amityville Horror. Or, Alcatraz. You know, what, what's the most, uh, you know, popular or best known, I guess, story, ghost story or, or you know, that you all have investigated? Oh, goodness. Um. I would say probably one of the most well-knowns that is supposed to be one of the most haunted places in the U.S. that we have been to so far would be uh, Bobby Mackey's Music World. Hmm. And what's what happens there? What's what kind of occurrences? The alleged story of it is it's supposed to be a portal to hell, which is where a girl was supposed to have been decapitated and her head thrown in this well which you know that's just how the story goes that's not the accurate story but that's how the story the that you see before goes that's how the yeah that's how the legend goes <clears throat> um but yeah that's probably one of the most famous that we've been to so far well well uh we don't want to wear you out <laughs> we certainly appreciate uh, you being with us tonight, I've enjoyed it tremendously. Well, learned me a lot as well, and <laughs> I know our listeners are going to look forward to this one. So, uh, one more time, you want to, your yep. your social media where people can follow you and keep up with the show? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at Haunted Discoveries TV or on Facebook at Haunted Discoveries. All right, Kevin, we appreciate you being part of the podcast tonight. Kevin, thank you, thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you again, and uh, hope everything goes yes, well sir. for you from. Till we we'll see be in again. for sure thank you so much you have a good night you too talk soon guys that's all for this episode of uncommon history we hope you enjoyed your journey through the past and that you discovered some new and exciting facts about the history of the world around us don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to our feed to stay informed about new episodes all of our links are at the top of our show notes in the description we look forward to bringing you more uncommon stories of the past until next time Uncommon History was created and produced by Harold Edwards and Brian Wolford.